Carnivorous couch, shit happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch with Brady and Rob. Mike Lee. Hi everybody, hi everybody, hi everybody. Welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch, the spoiler full podcast where we get a film a week from two film geeks. That's Brady and Rob. Hello. I'm Rob. There's Brady. Hello, hello, and hello. And then we also have with us this week, uh, this guy. Hi, I'm Ross Murray. And this gal. No, hi, Chess. And I think there's a freaking dog in here, isn't there? There's a dog. Right, dog, you better be dog. quiet. You better be quiet. All right, all right, all right. And we did another year, the 2010 film? Mm. Yes. 2010 film uh, by Mike Lee. Spike Lee. Mike Lee. Spike Lee. Spike. No, the, the, the white man dialogue was way too, uh, you know, coherent in this movie to be a Spike Lee movie. Hey, man, that Ross Brian got Cox got monologue it. at the end of 25th Hour is beautiful. That is. That's not the same thing. No. So anyway, uh, who wants to plot synopsis? I can take a crack at this one, I think. All right. Do you want notes? I've got every passes. scene written down. No, no, I know. Uh, so basically, the best way to understand the plot is to say right off the bat that it takes place over four seasons, and each season is kind of chaptered, like a, a chapter in a book. And so we start with mm. spring, then go to summer, fall, and winter. And the movie ends with us still in winter. So in spring, the first chapter, we are at a hospital, kind of a care center, and there's a woman there who can't sleep, and you know she has this face that's just kind of racked with pain, and just there's just like she's sad beyond like all measure, and we never exactly find out the full reason why, but just that she can't sleep, and so in order to get her meds, she gets recommended to this counselor that we meet, who will become one of our main characters named Jerry. And so, you know, that's how we meet one of our main characters. Then we meet her husband, Tom, who's a geologist. He studies soil and sediment for uh, building projects. And uh, then we meet their son, Joe. And we also meet this character named Mary, who uh, is one of the main characters as well, because she's a co-worker of Jerry's. And a lot of the movie is taken with kind of the difference between someone like Mary and someone like Jerry. Uh, so in that scene, we see Jerry, Tom, and Mary have dinner, and Mary gets a little drunk, and they have kind of an awkward conversation, and we eventually learn that Mary was having an affair you know, many years ago with a married man who pretty much used her and then went back to his wife. We also learn that she'd uh, been divorced and accepted a very measly sum for her settlement offer. And, uh, you know, and then we meet Joe and Mary meet as well, and we can see that Mary has a little flirtation with Joe. In fact, in another scene in the spring with Mary, we see her looking across the bar hungrily at an elder man, uh, and then we see her face fall when he kisses his 20-something girlfriend. And so that's what happens in spring. We meet the characters, essentially, and we get this you know, bookend with Imelda Staunton playing this grieving woman who can't sleep. Uh, so then in summer, we have an old college friend of, uh, well, basically a friend of Tom's, but also a friend of Jerry's. They've known each other since their 20s. And he's this very obese man with a lot of appetite. The first second we meet him, he's wolfing down crisps and drinking beer on the train. And so he's there to you know, visit with them for a weekend. They're going to have a little barbecue, kind of a summer get-together. 
And so we have a very long scene with them talking and we get kind of a lot of backstory of their history growing up. Uh, and we can see that, you know, this Ken character, he's kind of like your arrested adult a little bit. Like he's, he's very much the kind who would go to the pub and root a little too loudly for the favorite soccer team. And he's kind of still stuck, stuck in that mindset. football there. In fact, the commonality between Ken and Mary is that they both seem to have a pretty heavy drinking problem. If not a problem, they rely a lot on their appetites, particularly for alcohol. And we can see Ken is kind of in a rut. Tom suggests to him, you know, when Ken breaks down crying, thinking about a dead friend, Tom eventually proposes, like, look, let's get you out of this. Let's go on a walking tour of pubs. Like, it'll get us some exercise, we'll bond. And Ken just doesn't respond. Like, he, he doesn't say no, but he's basically saying no. Like, he doesn't have the power of will to lift himself to even live in any real sense of the word. He, you know, lives five minutes from his work, he drinks, he eats, and one day he'll die. And so uh, we then see that they play a golf game together, and they have their barbecue, where we see that Ken has an infatuation with Mary. We also see that Ruth's co-worker has had a baby, and there's a very notable scene where Mary gets to the barbecue late and she's very flustered and she's telling the story about why she's late. And it takes her, I think close to two minutes minutes to (laughs) even notice that there's a baby there. Uh, You know, and she's like staring right at it. (laughs) She never even uh, registers that there's a baby. They don't show it to us on the screen really very directly. You do. You just have to look for it. It's like a Where's Waldo. It's right in Ruth's arms. Well, yeah, but they do it in this way way that we kind of get to see through her eyes. Yeah, yeah. No, there is. It does have that empathy because this time it took me a while because I was expecting the baby to be with the mother, but it's actually with Jerry. So anyway, they have this barbecue and Mary has her new car, which was the one thing she wanted. It was, you know, the next marker in her life was to get her own car. But as a result, she's not allowed to drink at the barbecue the way she usually would, even though she kind of does anyway. She's told to do two glasses of wine, but she fills them right up to the rim. And so we see that, and then we have uh, Jerry flirts more with Joe. It's very clear that uh, – not Jerry. I'm so sorry. Uh, that Mary – it does Mary, rhyme. yeah, yeah. Jerry's, Jerry shows Jerry mom. Jerry shows so mom. That would be gross. Mary uh, is still flirting very heavily with Joe. And we get this sense it's because time is is slipping by her. You know, the years are slipping by her, and she really just wants to have someone. And so, you know, we also have her then take Ken and Joe home after the barbecue, and she rebuffs Ken's advances. And that is pretty much what happens in summer. Uh, In fall, fall is a very short one. All we find out in fall is that Joe finally uh, has a girlfriend. He's finally found someone, a lasting relationship, and he brings her home to uh, meet Tom and Jerry, to meet the parents. And so they have a very nice chat, and they eat tomatoes out of their garden. Uh, And then Mary comes in. And even though it's the shortest scene, it's probably the most seismic scene in the movie, Um, which is something I'm very interested in. Quick aside, there's a movie I recommend called The Loneliest Planet, which is pretty much a very slow movie that builds just to one seismic moment. I'm interested in that idea. Anyway, what happens is the seismic moment is Mary is so jealous and bitter about the sudden revelation that Joe has a girlfriend that she basically lets just this ugly hate and vitriol slip out of her. Anytime Katie, who's very friendly and chipper, asks her a question, <laughs> she shoots her mean looks. She uh, you know, says very passive-aggressively rude things, which don't go unnoticed by uh, Joe and by Tom and Jerry. And so that's essentially what happens. But we can see that 
Jerry, you know, has to reevaluate how she sees this very old friend, a friend of 20 years, you know, in the light of some very rude and uh, frankly unacceptable conduct. Uh, you know, she basically insults the new girlfriend, Katie. And so that's fall. And then in winter, they go to a funeral for Tom's older brother, Ronnie, whose wife has died. Mm-hmm. And we can see that, you know, kind of like the Imelda Staunton character in the beginning, mm-hmm. Ronnie seems to be a little bit of a man who's the years and, you know, the sadness of the years have weighed so much on him that he's very reticent. Now, maybe he was always a bit this way, but he's very much a shell of a man. And he has a very, very tumultuous relationship with his son, who clearly only loved the mother, doesn't get along with his father. No, he doesn't have a relationship with his son. Yeah, he, be- he doesn't. That's a better way of putting it, Rob. Thank you. He doesn't have a relationship with his son, Carl. And Carl gets to the funeral right as the casket curtain closes. And so he's very distraught. And it gets into a fight with his father because the father's like, oh, like, you're just making this about you. Like, I knew you'd do something like this and just yeah. not show up. And so in the middle of this wake, when they go back to the house, Carl and Ronnie are fighting. Or, well, the better way to call it is that Carl is fighting at Ronnie. And Ronnie is just completely, you know, absorbing it into his silence, which is what he's fighting with everyone in the room. And no one wants to have anything to do with it. (laughs) And so at the at the end of the funeral, uh, Tom says to Ronnie, you know, you probably need some time off your feet. Like you need time to get reacclimated to life. This is a big. Well, well, the guy's just so blank. Yeah, and no, like, he's a blank. He's yeah, and and he's and like so he's worried about him. It's like, why don't you hang out with us until you feel better? Yeah, because come you back won't home. know what to do with yourself. Yeah, spend a few days with family. We'll take Which care I of you. Which I really did like Tom doing that. I mean, yeah. aside from all the other things Tom does that pisses me off, I like I really like. I was like, oh, Tom's kind of an asshole sweet. though. Like he kind of is. Yeah, you always see he's got, he's got like an impish sense about him, and he says he's frank. He he just says what he thinks and just goes. Like this some is people are up. addicted to their own candor to the point where it can sometimes make them a little piercing, a <laughs> little mean maybe. And Tom's definitely got that, but none of it I don't think comes from a bad place. Uh, he's just a guy who's probably gotten compliments on his frank demeanor all his life. It's probably got him where he is in his career as a geologist, and he goes, he leads with that. So anyway, they bring him back, and then the last scene, essentially, or you know, the last couple of scenes, is that they're out somewhere, and they've left Ronnie at home, and Mary comes by the door in the dead of winter, not wearing much warm clothing, and you know, she's asking if they're home, and we learn that they haven't called her for many, many months following the seismic incident of the insulting the girlfriend. And so... She basically invites herself in, convinces Ronnie to let her stay, you know, to get out of the cold while she waits for them. And, you know, she has a conversation with Ronnie. Uh, We learn that, I mean, because it's a movie kind of about, you know, how things go very well for some and not so well for others. Jerry even says the line, life's not always kind. And and Mary's got a little bit of that, a little bit brought on herself and maybe a little bit just, you know, just the weight of the years. Like it's, it's just kind of the paths that life takes. And so she lets us know that this car, which was the object of her dreams, basically, uh, she didn't go about it very smartly. She paid cash to some people who clearly weren't dealers. They were just brothers. You know, she even says one of them has a gold tooth. So the car's broken down already, and it's only been a matter of months. And she doesn't get any money from it. She gets 20 quid. Someone want to tell me what a quid is again? A huh? dollar. Uh, no, it's a well, it's pound. A y- yeah, a pound. So, yeah. so it's about $2. So yeah, yeah she only but it's like the one note, the... Yeah, the single note is a quid. She gets like, let's say, yeah. forty dollars. Right, right. It's a single element of British currency. So the car is gone. 
she says it's totaled, not totaled, but totaled in the uh, ill repair sense, you know, not worth the price of fixing it. And all she got was 20 quid with which she bought a bottle of champagne. Ronnie asks if there's any left. And she says, no, even even the champagne's gone. They said that she drank it all. Yeah, she drank it all last night. And so then uh, Jerry gets home and Tom and Jerry are very kind of taken aback that Mary's just sitting there waiting for them. And Jerry kind of confronts Mary about about what happened and about the aftermath of the incident. And she tells her to maybe look into some counseling for, for her issues, for her alcoholism maybe, for you know her troubles relating in a, an acceptable way to people. And so, you know, she, but she invites her to stay for dinner. And then the last shot we see is they're all at the dinner table and we circle around and they're having conversations about, you know, Tom worked in Australia, blah, blah. Everyone's having conversations about where life is going. And as we circle around, we finally see just Mary utterly catatonic, basically staring off into space. And uh, we zero in on her face and we end kind of watching her, watching uh, her and this new state of her life. Yeah, that's a that's about a good synopsis. Good job. Thanks. I think that's my best synopsis yet. You definitely know this movie through and through because that was 14 minutes. The chapter helps. The having the chapters really helps. So, uh, yeah, I guess we should go do... Uh, hey, 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 how do we like it? So, uh, let's start with uh, with uh, Ross Murray. Oh, um, I loved it. I, I will give this film an A. I give this film an A. What did you love about it, Ross? What didn't I love about this what movie? What did you love? <laughs> um, I love the awkward little silences in between the, the text. I did not love that. It was very awkward and painful. And, so uh, British. And so British. Thank you, Tess. Uh, I love the acting. I love the writing, particularly. I think first time I saw this was just too much information for me to take in. And watching it again months later, um, I actually fell in love with the script. It's probably one of the most brilliant scripts I've seen in a movie probably ever. Yeah, I would say that. Maybe 20, 30 best scripts I've ever seen in a movie. And uh, I just, uh, th- it's just so airtight. I mean, y- I I could go on, but I, n- I don't want to. I want other people to talk. <laughs> it's phenomenal. All right, Brady. Yeah, no, I, I love it. Uh, it oh, wait, Ross, what was your letter grade, sorry? Oh, an A. Okay, Brady. Yeah, it, no, I, I think it ages beautifully. This is my third time seeing it. Tess mm-hmm. and I actually make a point of seeing another year every year. Uh, and yeah, no, I, I love it. It's, I can't like compliment the acting enough essentially it's it's not just that it's good acting it's acting that is completely if a hair was out of place this movie wouldn't work the way it does because it's a lot about little things between the words as well you know we have a scene like that one with mary where you know she insults the girlfriend relies almost entirely on facial expression and what's going on in the background you know just that and then the little hints of vitriol in her voice because in terms of what they're talking about none of it's like that insulting on its face except for a word or two but it comes out that you know there's just a lot of anger there so perfect acting i I agree with ross i think the script is beautiful and uh, it's very targeted into its theme which i'll get to when we do what's it all about but i think it's got a couple of beautiful themes Uh, like i'll I'll just name them we can get them later it's got a beautiful class warfare not class warfare but you know class difference theme and also this kind of idea of uh, a geology of time the effects of time on the human body. I think it's no mistake that Tom's a geologist. And so it does all that, 
with a very, very beautifully literate script that is entirely focused on these actors, on Mike Lee's process, which is to workshop characters, not scripts, but characters for many months. And the scripts kind of develop naturally out of just like an incredibly like handcrafted acting process. Like, yeah, this is the acting equivalent of aged in oak barrels for 20 yeah. years, basically. And so, yeah, and it's beautiful. And I think it's, it's wise and sad and funny. And yeah, yeah, it's thrilling. It's a thrilling movie, I think. Tess. I love this movie. It's an A plus. Um, yeah, it just I won't. I don't ever get tired of watching it. Um, it. Every time I watch it, I pick up something new about it that I didn't notice before. Nuances of the characters, like little things that start to stick out. I just find it, it's something that that grows with each viewing, and I really enjoy it for that. Um, yeah, I think it's just all the things that, you know, Brady said. It's incredibly well-crafted, um, really interesting character study with some phenomenal performances from uh, some very British actors. <laughs> yeah. Tess, you're very proud of his very British actors, aren't you? I love aren't my British actors. Oh, man, this movie all made me fall in love. All of them are in that movie. It made me fall in love with Broadbent. Yeah. That this was the moment our eyes locked. Was that a shotgun, Rob? And here comes Rob's feeling. Rob, put the shotgun down. Rob? 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 Oh, God. Get away from Mike Lee, Rob. Run, Mike! Run, Michael! I did not like this movie in the least. It's a C-. minus. I did C- not like... Minus. I did not like the acting because... it. Okay, basically, this wasn't a movie. This was a play, Okay. And this would not work as a play because you need close-ups on everyone's faces. Well, that's the problem with it, is that they chose to do it this way as in... Okay, they took basically what you do in a play, which is much larger acting, and then gave it to them and said, do it subtly, but only for, like, the fucking people in the audience. And it just pisses me off because it, they don't take... They don't act off each other in that way. They, like, it's for us, and it's not for the other characters and it's just like i don't know it's this fucking narcissistic sort of hey look how good i am did you notice that like that sort of shit i didn't like it at all tell us what you really think <laughs> that's an interesting perspective though well i mean that's just the way i felt about th- like if, if this was done as a play where we don't have these little facial expressions and facial tics and stuff it would it would make a lot more sense hey it was really slow all right, and I, I understand it why it was slow paced. because that's just kind of the pace of the movie. So I don't really hold that against it, but it bored me. Um, and I fucking hate these people. <laughs> I hate them all. <laughs> so I didn't like it. Uh, that being said, I don't think it's horrible. I just, I just didn't like it. I really didn't like it. C minus. Okay. So do we want to move on to what it's all about? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Rob. Let's, yeah, let's do, uh... What's it all about? What's it all about? This is about Mary, obviously. I mean, I don't know why they spend so much time focusing on the other characters when clearly everything of consequence that happens, period, involves Mary. But, uh, yeah, this is about Mary. There you go. It's it's something about Mary. (laughs) No, this (laughs) is all about Mary. I got it. That was a pun from a movie... About a guy. That's if the you name explain of a the joke, there movie. is no joke. 
What? Wait, was there a movie called Something About Mary? Did I miss something? About Mary. Right. Does anybody else have any opinions about what this is all about? Um, I'm sure Brady well, We all does. have to do it. Yeah, no one's I just exempt said it's about Mary. I, okay, I, it's about Mary. What about Mary? Mary? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, it's about how Mary is a poor, sick, bipolar person who these people just permit to exist and don't help. And she's a counselor and a health, like, a health professional person. And she's, I don't know, she's been friends with them for 20 years. They expect her to be different or, like, blame her for being the way she is somehow. And don't get her help. And she hasn't gotten any help. And she's fucking mentally ill. What the fuck is wrong with these people? But, Rob, here, let me say this, because it's your segment. I don't want to cut it in, but can I movie? can I throw a question at you just to, to guide this? Okay. Uh, I, In my opinion, just my opinion, yes, she does have a history of probably some pretty off-the-wall, maybe well, occasionally that, inappropriate, and on the camera, she behavior. is manic and depressed. Like, like con- she's constantly cycling through this mania. But I don't think – I think – the incident that happens is a bolt out of the blue. I think this no, is like depression. a line crossing that had never been even hinted at before. No, no, that that was a thing that happened, but you can't like cut out somebody who you've been friends with for decades with because of one incident like that instead of talking to them. It, it's a matter of months. We we see them after months, a matter of months. Yeah, they don't talk to her for months because of something she did. Yep. Yeah, a few months. Yeah, that's bullshit. And we. We end the film still in the wake of that incident. That is bullshit. Why is it bullshit? She was upset because she, like, you know, had a thing for the dude and then he was dating somebody else and she was upsetting, yes. But A, they didn't even try to break up that incident before it happened. And B, like, the poor woman was distraught. Jesus Christ. She's obviously in one of her depression cycles. She's obviously already, even before she knew the fucking girlfriend was there and all that shit. She was already upset about her entire ordeal that day getting there. Sure she was. But but oh, but here's the other thing. Maybe this is worth thinking about. I think maybe she's done stuff that isn't appropriate to them. But this time it's to an innocent party. They know her. They've learned to handle her when she does things like this maybe. But she happens to choose as her target, not Joe, but this innocent girl who just met them. And so, yeah, they have to step in on the defensive on her behalf. No, but she's they, a they, member of the they, they should have stepped in and stopped that event. Why the fuck did they let that go what on? What are they supposed to do, the, Rob? Hey, well, the just be like, there. hey, Mary, why don't you come to the other room with me? That's all you have to do. It happens very fast. So Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I saw it happening long be- like, like nobody looked at her face and went, oh, sweetie. Like. I would, I would like to. Her face was so like racked with grief as soon as she sits down, and nobody went, "Oh, sweetie, she come with me." She wasn't grieving. Yeah, she's not grieving in that she's scene. She's angry. No, she's it's shooting envy. daggers it's at envy. that girl. It's envy, right? Okay. It's like jealousy, but with the wish, well, like that's the, the, than to grief. bring the other person down. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it was envy brought on by grief. She doesn't like this. She's she's fucking shocked, and she's obviously distraught by by what she has just learned, and is very upset about it. Somebody needs to grab her and go, oh, sweetie, and get, like, it's like the fucking Who song, uh, Behind Blue Eyes, right? Right. If my fist, fist clenches, clamp it open before I use it to lose my cool. Like, come on, you saw that this person was going to fucking fly off the handle, and I can't believe she didn't fly off the handle more than she did, but that poor woman, come on, take her out of that situation. Don't make her sit here and stare at it. Um, if I can play the devil's advocate for a second, I... What 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 we think this movie is about, and this is very interesting because um, 
I was reading um, an article on sociology last week, and it was all about the rise and the decline of the poor and the rich. And when I started watching this again, I realized that I totally missed for myself what I wanted to get out of it the first time I saw it. And when I realized is that us in the United States, a lot of people in the rest of the world, excluding Europe, are not going to necessarily understand um, a lot of the really, really subtle things, uh, the ways that the people behave, and the incidences specifically in the social aspects of this film. You have this old retired couple that is rich, and they're, they're, they're good. They, they don't need to keep working, but the husband does anyway. And then you've got their friends uh, who work in jobs that they don't like, that are frustrated, and then they have varying degrees of suffering going on, all of which are not pleasurable to look at. And then you've got their son and their son's girlfriend who basically just, their son and their son's girlfriend who basically just do and, and say things based on their parents' reactions. So it's very, very interesting character study because even though first time I saw this, I thought, well, aren't these, all these people, they're from the same social standing, they're from the same part of town, they all grew up together, so therefore they must all think and feel the same way, so why the dissonance? And then when I watched it again, I realized I, was, I just had no idea because I have no idea about what English society is. And so watching this again was very powerful for me because I realized... There are these huge, uh, these huge catacombs in this social order that aren't talked about, and they're not spoken about, but they're, they show up in the context of the subtext of these actors and in these social um, interactions, which are really powerful and really, really hard to be with. All right, so in a word, what is it all about? It's about, it's about the social experimentation of people that grow up together that wind up winding up in different social classes and social castes and then how do they maintain their relationships when there is clearly an unspoken hierarchy in 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 this universe it's just it's nice. pervasive dig it brady you're up yeah i mean so we've i think we've talked you know plenty to get you guys up to speed about that class thing so i don't think i have anything new that ross didn't just very ably add uh, so I'm going to talk about the other thing. It's about uh, human geology. It's called Another Year. So it's about the wear and tear of time. And yes, how little differences. If you think about what starts as a crack one day becomes a canyon. It's a, yeah about little differences that start as tiny things, splitting people apart. And it's really about studying these faces and the effects of the wear and tear of time and grief and hardship and the uneven distribution of hardship, you know, like uh, the Elton John song from Lion King. Some of us fall by the wayside. Some of us go to the stars. And so, yeah, Tom and Jerry are the lucky ones. They're in careers that they are actually doing the things they're good at. One, that's huge. Not, not a lot of people actually get to do the thing they're very, very best at. And they're obviously happy. They have more money than any of these people. And so it has that aspect. But, it's, yeah, it's also just about studying. And so Rob's not here to hear this. <laughs> the bastard. <laughs> I should wait for him to come Don't back. Wait for him to okay. Come back. No, no, he's back. All right. So, what? Rob, I'm glad you're back in the room because this is where I think it's not about Mary. Is it's about studying with each new character 
the impact of time and the uneven distribution of happiness over time and how that changes them and what kind of effect that has and how they deal with it. And so, yeah, it's about Mary, but it's also about Ken. And it's about, you know, I love that scene with Ken where he's talking and he's saying he just starts crying out like young people. Everything's for young people. Like, you know, time changes you. Time changes what's acceptable for you. And you right. need to change. But, with but Mary time. didn't change. Um, Actually, no. that's a really good point. She yeah, Mary, doesn't. That, well, that's her. That's the problem for Mary. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they like all these people were like Mary at one point in time, but they grew up yep. and she didn't. And well, they noticed that she was li- and like so maybe that's why like the first 10 years passed with that incident because everybody was on that same wa- wavelength. But then they got their shit together and then they were upset at her for not. But what they didn't realize is that she's ill, and they should because they've been with her that I long. Think no, they, they know, know she, she doesn't problems. have her shit together. That's never been a problem. They know that she's now you're right, Rob. I do think there is maybe a thread of judgment to be read in like well, Tom and no, Jerry's but, I mean, conduct she, toward her. She's a counselor. She's a clinical psychologist. She should yeah. recognize that this person has a mental health issue. I that's think she going does. Untreated. But it's going untreated. She tells her to get treatment at the end of the movie. At the end. 20 fucking we, however we, many years on. I, I just, I mean, but like, Mary I know might not have been like that. It's about human geology because Mary is acting this way this year because she's realizing she's getting older. She's in danger of being alone. Love hasn't gone well. Her before that affair, that awful affair with the married man that totally broke her up, would have been a totally different person. Wouldn't have done dumb things partly out of grief. It's a lot about the cycle, the cycle of alcoholism, the cycle of bad it's decisions. Not alcoholism when life if on she's you. bipolar because you can't diagnose alcoholism. She, I don't think she's Who bipolar. Who cares, Rob? Whatever. She's an alcoholic. No, she's bipolar. That's it's not never in the stated. subtext of the movie. It's quite literally exactly how she's behaving. So what's interesting about this is that the she might. Oh, sorry, the sorry, Ross. The, 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 uh, what Rob and Brady are pointing to is that uh, this character Mary. She uh, early on, she is drinking a lot, but she seems easygoing enough. And when she talks about her problems, she's at least able to laugh at herself, even though she can't stop herself from continuing to talk. Well, here's another thing. Like she buys a car from two shady people and they don't go, "Uh, who did you buy that car from? And no, let us help you buy a car. And obviously you don't know what you're doing. And let let us help you. And like, why don't they go find those fuckers who sold her a lemon? They probably disappeared because that's because she paid them cash only. They're gone with the wind. Right, but why didn't they tell her that she shouldn't do that? That's the she, thing. She's not bipolar. They she's just Francis ju- Ha. No, no, she's not Francis Ha. She makes impulsive decisions. Yeah, she makes she bad decisions. She has manias and, and valleys of depression. She makes bad decisions probably without consulting them first. And here's the thing about Mary yeah. is even if she did, if she was like, oh, I'm going to buy this car from these people, yeah? And then they'd be like, do you think that's a good idea? And she'd be like, oh, no, I saw it on the telly. It's totally fine. No, no. Don't she was did, sitting there weren't like. Weren't we saying that it was totally fine? She was in fine? a manic state in the very first scene when she has the drink with her. That was like straight up manic state. Just like, couldn't stop talking about it in my garden. And then I'm going to take all these things and I'm going to put them in a plastic bag and put them under my bed. Come on, that's fucking classic mania. Okay, whatever. That wasn't even what I was talking about. Some Something that I, I think that we. Um, that we that maybe well might be worth looking at something that we were talking about earlier about this social experiment that Mike Lee is choosing to uh, create here is that uh, his his previous film before this Happy Go Lucky does something very very similar in that yes you've got these people that all grew up in the same caste system that all separated into different varieties and varietals of the society itself but what's more interesting than that is looking at 
the generations within which they're born because the oldest couple, which the film starts their focus on, they started out in a generation um, and as the film ends on as well with um, Tom's uh, older brother Ronnie being one of the characters in the last scene as well. This film is about uh, the generation of people that were growing up with opportunities that were, this is the government and the society said, uh, we will help you take care of yourself and we will help you on your feet. And by the time you get to Mary's generation, Mary's generation is, well, we said that, but now us as a society and as a government is saying, you need to learn how to do this for yourself. And then by the time we get to uh, Joe's generation, the society is completely you've got to do this for yourself and on your own. And there's an incredibly amazing dichotomy between the way that society has shifted from the baby boomer generation and before the baby boomer generation, and then the woman caught in the middle of all of that, not knowing how to transition, and then the couple that is completely, completely focused in on we are going to take care of ourselves. And what's more amazing is you see this old couple having adapted to this style of society also because of their social hierarchy with how much money they make. And that you can see that cycle of them putting up with all these niceties and putting on all these facades because that's the thing that people do in this day and age, even though they're not from that generation. And that's what they do to survive. And poor Mary is just caught in the middle and she's like, swimming like they're the vortex she's not the vortex they're the vortex around her and she's spinning down into the spiral because she doesn't want to change because she grew up somewhere in between we're going to help you and you have to help yourself and she didn't know which one to choose and i think that's just i think it's honestly brilliant i yeah that's very interesting oh i brilliant guys i should stop us because i don't think tess has told us what it's all about all right tess what's it all about um well, it's about um, the lives of several people and their circle of friends and family. And it's just a really in-depth look at the different types of people that, um, you know, are a part of each other's lives. And um, as a character study, I think that's, that's, I mean, mainly that is what it is about. Is uh, y Yeah, it's about the passage of time and the way that time changes people. But... Mostly, like, what I find the most interesting about it is just the the look at these different types of people, like, and they're very distinct characters, and the way that they fit together as friends, like that first scene you have with um, Mary uh, coming over to have dinner with Tom and Jerry, and, you know, you kind of see the way that Tom reacts to her, which is, you know, kind of keeps her at arm's length you know makes faces at her because she's too drunk to recognize that you know he's kind of being a dick and that this is not like you you get the impression through their interactions that this is this is not really his friend this is jerry's friend and he he puts up with that and you know then you have like mary is such an interesting character like really really fantastic performance very interesting to watch and she's always con she's constantly looking to people for to validate her, her decisions so you know she's she's constantly ending sentences with like Did, weren't we saying that jerry or don't like don't you think that's true or you know phrasing things so that people have to agree that whatever she's saying is you know 
the right response when, you know, most of the time all of her decisions are terrible. And she looks to other people to validate pretty much everything that she does. And they don't know, like, sometimes, like, people like Tom do, you know, go, oh, no, I don't really think that's true. But, you know, then it, like, breaks her heart and she can't handle it. And so most of the time people just go, yeah, yeah, Mary, we were. So... Um, you know, very interesting look at just the the way that that people interact. I think I I've gotten off on a bit of a tangent with my vitriol and and uh, kind of going against you guys. Clearly, but um, I have I have a very quick two sentence thing to say to kind of bookend it because I think uh this is summing up what everybody said. Um, well, I mean, with my own flair. <laughs> 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 okay, so we got two kinds of groups of people. We got Ronnie, Ken, Mary, Carl, and that lady who's in the first scene, <coughs> right? Janet. Damn it. Janet. I don't okay, know. so there's Janet. And, okay, the first scene is Janet and the doctor uh, kind of laying out the two types of people that are in this movie. Uh, Janet is anguished, suffering, just horrible. The only thing that would be better for her is a different life. Meanwhile, there's the doctor who's examining her who has um, – a baby on the way because she's pregnant in that first scene she's maternal uh she's just kind of oozing this sort of i can take care of myself and others sort of mentality so um then to align with the lady the person who's in in pain and anguish we have ronnie ken mary and carl ronnie's the oldest ken is old mary's young ish and uh, carl's the youngest Uh, then we have the judgmental fucks who have the good fortune of not having had terrible suffering happen to them, Joe, Jerry, Tom, and Katie, and that doctor. Um, And basically, the movie is them judging these poor people and saying, oh, poor you, poor you, poor you. And meanwhile, not really doing a thing to necessarily help other than to kind of keep it at bay and uh, just be like, yeah, I permit you to be here. So what about uh, what about uh, Tom offering the trip to Ken? They, uh, that's like uh, an olive branch for self improvement. Yes, that's very nice. That's very nice. But it was basically, you know, just to keep uh, uh, Ronnie from killing himself. Oh, oh, oh! I see. Uh, oh, you're talking about Ken. You're talking about the the You'll long walk. The long walk. They stop at all the pubs. Blah blah blah. Yeah, blah, blah. like your life isn't going so well. Like suggest a trip. Like you know, like a buddy would do. Like, yeah, it's hey, interesting because Ken goes like, no. I don't he doesn't even say no. He just he, stares he just, forward. Yeah, like he just goes like, "I don't need your pity," and Ronnie actually takes it. But that's not what he's saying. It's not, "I don't need your pity." It's, "I am so stooped and like racked by life that like I I just don't have like the energy. I don't have the will of life to go and do those things to try and improve myself." Well, basically, what I was saying is that what's it all about is these two groups: one to be kind of doomed by their past, and the other people to judge them because they weren't. I'd like to throw in a caveat, which is that the same thing that Ken and Mary are going through uh, when Tom offers Ken an olive branch at the end of the film, uh, Ronnie, who's just lost his wife, Linda, offers uh, Mary an olive branch and he offers it to her many times, offers her tea, offers her food, offers her a jacket. And each time she turns it down. There's something about that lost generation, and it really is uh, interesting because there's that same scene when Ronnie and and uh, Mary are talking to each other. She says she's a Beatles fan. We know where she's grown up, and it's really the lost generation. And it's just like 
she's from that era. She is trying to adapt to this new world of, yeah, I can do it on my own. And at the same time, because she hasn't been integrated into it, she can't accept any favors, just like Ken can't accept any favors. So it's like a lost, it's like a, a paradox of social experimentation, this movie. Okay, I think we have a lot more to talk about. Let's take a little break and do our uh, our understudy. Or, no, let's not do understudy first. Let's do plot lines first. Okay. Okay. Plot line. Yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Plot Lines. Plots of lines. <laughs> this is a oh. game where I read a plot synopsis from a film, and they try to guess it. And then we see what happens. I'm going to read it very slowly. If they get it right, I will say the year it was made. If not, I will continue reading. Ready to play, everybody? I'm James Mason, and I'm ready to play. I'm ready to play with James Mason. That's filthy. Uh, Tell me more. He's got a fat stack. It's worth it. Actually, you do a better James Mason than me, so you should do James (laughs) Mason. James Mason. (laughs) James Mason. I can only have him say Lolita. James Mason. Lolita. Darling, why why do you cast about so lit? I love you. James Mason, there's James Mason. <laughs> All right, are we ready? I got one here. Sure. <laughs> Increasingly grieved Mason's like, Mason, Mason, Mason. A stark, perverse story. The Michael Jackson story. Of murder. Oh. Just say your name first. Kidnapping and police corruption in a Mexican... Border town. Ross. Ross Murray. The Mexican. Should I continue reading or, or reread? Uh, read yeah, reread. Read. A stark, perverse story of murder, kidnapping, and police corruption. In Brady? A Mexican Once Brady. upon a time in Mexico? In a Mexican border Bordered. town. Once upon a time in a Mexican border town. <laughs> <laughs> Is anybody else going to buzz in? Uh, Tessa, L.A. Confidential. We all already. (laughs) Yeah, that's the first thing that came to my mind. We all got it wrong. Okay, well, let me see if I can pull up another uh, synopsis that's a little bit longer. While crossing the border (laughs) from Mexico to the U.S. wealthy businessman Lincolner and his stripper girlfriend are killed when a time bomb explodes in their car. Since the bomb was planted in Mexico... Mexican narcotic agent Brady, te- the Brady. third man, teams up with a corrupt American cop to solve the murder. Meanwhile, Mike's new wife, Susie, is menaced by members of the Grande crime family whom the detective is after. Susie decides to accompany the detective to the U.S. as he becomes part of the investigation. They are tailed by... Uncle Joe Grande. I didn't know Grande has a crime family. Uh, Ross, um, <laughs> traffic. All right. Does it, does anybody want to know the th- the name of the thing now, or yeah, do you want to buzz in and try? I don't know. All right. Touch of Evil from 1958. Uh, oh, and I even meant to say that one. The third man, Orson Welles. Yes. But I I haven't seen it. We should see. It's a classic. I haven't seen it either. It, it is my favorite Orson Welles book. Ooh, Speaking of Orson Welles, Ross has to see Chimes at Midnight if he hasn't. I haven't. Because Orson Welles doing Falstaff is probably the best acting performance ever. 
Wow. Okay. I mean, oh my God, Dan. Okay. Okay. I have to see it. A teenager or teenagers find themselves transported to a deep forest setting where a battle between Ross, the Hunger Games between the forces of good and the forces of evil is taking place. She bands together with a ragtag group of characters in order <laughs> to save their world and ours. This sounds so familiar. Jeez, what this is sounds this? Sounds not familiar at all. Yeah, because usually it's I like a dude or a I will say that it's been released in the past kids. five years. Okay. I can't go again. Is it a cartoon? I will say that it is a cartoon of sorts. Brady, Twilight, Breaking Dawn. No. What? No. <laughs> I don't, know. Yes, don't do they you, have a battle? Do you, do you have a hazard uh, guess? Oh boy, <laughs> Fern Gully. I don't know. Usually, <laughs> this kind of oh story. Oh God, you're so close. You, oh, epic. Yep. But that <laughs> you doesn't gave me count. A hint, yeah, though. that doesn't count though. But uh, yeah, you were really close. Yeah, well, it is an animated. That is an awful movie. She asked if it was a cartoon. Uh, awful fucking movie. I turned it off after 15 minutes. It was so bad. It looked terrible. Oh, it was horrible. It was made in a garage, and it should have fucking stayed there. Cause it was made in a garage. It was. Uh, Colin, <laughs> it should have stayed there. Colin Firth does this phenomenal voice performance under the shittiest animation I've ever seen. And after <laughs> twenty, awesome. after after fifteen minutes, I was I turned it off, <coughs> and then I watched another five, and I was like, "Oh dear God, I can't." And okay, so we're playing to four, and the score is Colin currently Farrell, zero, 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 right? Sounds yeah. right. Okay, You're here we go. Tough ones. This is good. Four friends. Slash fledgling entrepreneurs, knowing that there's something bigger and more innovative than different air checking devices they've built. Brady, primer from 2004. Yeah, you beat me to it, but I knew what it was. From what year? 2004. Yeah, that's such a good movie, dude. That movie's fucking awesome. I've only seen half of it because I sat with Rob and I fell asleep. And I said, not because I was not. I like that when the guy gets a nosebleed or his ear is bleeding or something, and then he's like, "Is that normal?" And he's like, "No, it's not normal for the machine for human fucking beings." (laughs) That was at Sundance the same year as Station Agent. That was a good year. Oh, crazy, yeah. Oh wait, no one's gonna get this one, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Actually, Brady might get it. Maybe. Justin throws himself and everyone around him into chaos. Tessa, from Justin to Kelly. (laughs) When he (laughs) attempts to break free from his addiction to his thumb. Brady. Thumb sucker. sucker. Oh, you said your name, though. Yeah, but you already buzzed in, so. Brady, from 2005. All right, that puts Brady at two. Exactly. My joke answer is my only joke or my only answer <laughs> that I'm allowed to give. <laughs> I, I thought of that too. I just Justin, didn't want to say it. Because it's Justin. Just it's do it. Who's named Justin? No one cares. Get your ass and do it. Oh, Tess will probably get this one. An undercover cop in a not too distant future becomes involved with a dangerous new drug and begins to. Tessa, a scanner darkly. From 2006. Oh, nice. Or should I say, nice. I was going to get really upset nice. if you didn't get that one. Oh, <laughs> you're um, Mario Zelda or something. Me. I think you'll take my pants off. I'm glad Dog has gotten to join our podcast. Hello, Brian, and thank you for calling in to the uh, <laughs> Carnivorous Patch Con uh, uh, podcast. Oh, hello. 
<laughs> He's a caller. Are we, are we on the air? We are currently on the air. <laughs> Hi, Brian. Hi, Brian. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I was just calling to see if you wanted to grab a beer or play some music or something. Ah. Well, what have you seen as far as movies lately, uh, Brian? Um, last thing I watched was uh, Wolf of Wall Street for the second time. Oh, who'd you see that with? Uh, let's see. The first time I saw it, uh, I saw it with my dad or something. Yeah, I got it with my dad originally, and then uh, we watched it. Me and Brittany watched it in bed the other night. And uh, I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you saw that with me and Brady and Grandy and. Oh yeah, the first. That's right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. The first time. I was thinking of a different movie. I saw with my dad. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I saw it with you guys. Yeah. They're all your yeah, dad. It was, awesome. it was even better the second time, man. I dig that movie. Yeah, it was it was good the second time too. Maybe maybe uh, you should uh, review that movie with us. We should watch it a third time and make it even better and review it sometime on this here podcast. Have you guys done that one yet on your show? No, no, we haven't. Nah, it came up on some top ten lists. My top ten list. Oh no! It, it came up on a few of our top tens. For I, um, I'll give you like my number one movie of all time. What's that? Uh, I think it's uh, Joe versus Volcano. Oh yeah, very nice. <laughs> Who wins? I'm with Can you give that away? Nice. What are you guys reviewing today? Another year. Another year. Yeah. Never heard that one. Oh well, it's this cool movie that I didn't like. About a poor bipolar lady and everybody else being judgmental dicks to her. <laughs> okay. When was that? When did that one come out? 2010. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll let you go, but we're going to finish Thanks our for podcast. Calling. Thank you for calling in. Uh, we need to have you call in another time and maybe give us a, uh, a an opinion when you actually watch something someday. All right. Yeah, man. I'd love to. Sounds good. All right. Catch you later. Oh, catch you later, Brian. Thank you for being a friend of the Carnivorous Cat. Thanks, podcast. Brian. We need friends. <laughs> yeah, we all need friends. Thank you, Brian. We all need friends. Yeah. That was Brian Bauer. Brian Bauer. Brian Bauer, everybody. Chunk. Chunk. All right. Yeah. Joe versus Here we go. the Volcano Taco. Detective and his stalwart partner it's a engage in a battle of Shia wits. And Braun, with a Shiza nemesis whose plot is a threat to all of England. Sit, read it again, sorry. <laughs> I, w- I was making shit jokes over your um, plot this synopsis. This sounds like it has to be a Sherlock Holmes Detective adaptation. and his stalwart partner engage in a battle of wits and brawn with a nemesis whose plot is a threat to all of England. Brady, Sherlock Holmes Game of Shadows. Detective <laughs> and his stalwart partner Watson engage in a battle of Ross. Ross. Sherlock Holmes. Correct. From 2009. Ah, I you, gave the, you said the, the <laughs> subtitle and got it wrong. No, well, I thought maybe sequel. he'd throw me off. He, like he did that's a different movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought, too, at first. And then I waited. I can't believe Tess said it Brian Buzzin. Because there's so either. many different Sherlock Holmes like adaptations, I didn't know which one it was. I, I just expected you to say Sherlock Holmes in, in slow-mo boxing matches. Yeah, but you have to buzz in. You have to be a test. You can't just shout out whatever. But I couldn't. But I didn't even answer. So it right, I couldn't matter. believe you didn't answer. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, this is gonna be interesting. I hope not. Uh, 
Let me see. That puts uh, Ross at one, Brady at two, and Tess at one. A genetically inferior. Brady, Gattaca. From 1997. <laughs> I was going to say that, that too. too. You're yeah. just buzzing that in was faster three words. than me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, I knew what it was from that. A genetically engineered, yeah. I said inferior. But inferior. Yeah. There's no. <laughs> what's well, it? Brady, Brady has experience with that one. There's no Jane genome Hash for the human spirit. Oh, yeah, and I still have his DVD of it. So Brady's at three, and you both are at I one. I do, I, and I have his sunglasses. Okay, his here we go. Quasi-futuristic. Everybody shut up. Apocalypse Including you. Okay. A husband and wife team. Ross. Fun Ross. with Dick and Jane. No, we already did that one a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh, <laughs> we did. Um, I, I remember yeah, no, that. We did. Yeah. I remember. Play detective, but not in the, tradi- in the, <laughs> in the traditional sense. Traditional is hard to say. It's like judicial. Judicial. Let me let me say that whole thing again. A husband and wife team play detective, but not in the traditional sense. Instead, the happy duo helps others solve their existential. Brady, I heart Huckabees. From two thousand four. Didn't we do that recently too? Nope, we've never done it. Ah, uh, okay. Why does that sound so familiar? Because you probably read it yesterday because you just routinely scan I the plot synopses at, at <laughs> from. <laughs> like, I'm bored. I wonder what the plot to I Heart Huckabees <laughs> is. Mark Wahlberg, you're so good. Take your shirt off again. All right. Well, I definitely read a lot of a lot of various different things, and I tried really hard to make it not one-sided, and you guys just failed miserably, especially Tess not getting Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> Sorry. Like, I don't want to buzz in. <laughs> Tess is actually whispering. I didn't understand the game. <laughs> Tess has joined my team. All you had to do was just go. <laughs> but I'm always doing that. <laughs> I know that was the one time you didn't do that. <laughs> I failed. It's okay. It's okay. You know. Hey everybody, we're back. That was a great round of understudy. And things was were it? like that. Yes, yeah, I'm sure it was. Yes, indubitably. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Of course, of course. We were talking about this movie. Oh, wait, no, we're coming back from plot lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure that was a great round of plot lines. Yeah. the same thing. Who won understudy? You can't win understudy. I mean, unless y'all tweet. If, if y'all tweet us at Carney Couch, then you can win understudy, but nobody's yeah. ever tweeted us about it, so we've never won. If you guess one of our accents... Then we we could win something. We could win not having oh, yeah, to the walk dress. around in um Hello, no, in uh, shoes. High heels. Oh yeah, no one's gonna see me in ladies' footwear because no one listens to this podcast. Well, Don't I mean, if, if you oh. wait, if if you're listening to this podcast, just you know, make sure you go Twitter us at Carney Couch. Go put and say, Rob in ladies' footwear. But but we haven't me. done understudy yet, but we will do it later. So yeah, 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 balls. What were we talking about? Uh. This movie. That's what we do. It's just the movie. We're talking about it. Yeah, what was the last thing you said, Ross? Hello, Governor. <laughs> no, that's not the last thing you said. All right, well, here. I'm going to I'm gonna kick us off here. Oh, I'm, the I'm last thing we up. talked about was... Oh, go ahead, Brady. Brady's got it. Well, we, we just came from uh, what's it all about. Right. But if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to tee up uh, kind of one of, like... You know, Rob actually brought this up as we were watching it. Probably one of the more, like, artsy, less conventional things... And that is the opening scene with the Staunton character, who we never see again. Uh, do you want to talk about her? Uh, yes. Well, that opening scene is basically to be like, 
I mean, we see the doctor again, but not really. So, uh, that opening scene is basically like, here are the two types of people that you're going to see in this movie. See, but two, I'm, I'm going to object to two, even though this is just hair splitting, I'm sure. I know what you're saying. But There's really, only two in that scene. To bring it back to geology, it's the strata. It's the full strata But there's only two people in that of scene. Of misery. So? So here's what I'm going to so say. So I'm saying that, that 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 scene says here are the two kinds of people. Yeah. All right. So everyone in this room has seen Happy Go Lucky, I believe. Yes. In fact, mm-hmm. I saw it with... I've seen it with everyone but Ross. Yes. But Ross borrowed my DVD. Yes. So there we go. Yes. The mystery is solved. Thank you. So Imelda Staunton in that opening scene, she is the same thing to me as the homeless man in Happy Go Lucky. Because we're investigating the very bottom of the grief spectrum. Like, who is really just... And while we understand why the homeless guy, you know, is grieving, at the same time, we don't know what made him homeless. With the Staunton character, it's mysterious and ambiguous. And she even she even rules out a lot of, you know, the likely red flags. Abusive husband? Nope. Do you drink too much? Nope, I don't drink at all. But I'm just absolutely miserable. You know, like, if we think of a doctor in a hospital with a pain chart... Her pain chart well, of life is I mean, that's, that's obviously, yeah, that's obviously just, like, some people are miserable. Like, some people, like, everybody has, like, a center that they're going to go to. And it doesn't matter if you're a billionaire, and it doesn't matter if you're the poorest person on the planet. Your brain is just kind of hardwired to have this sort of emotional level, and that's where you're going to go to. Yeah, no, totally. Cause it's, and it's for that chick, it happens to be, my life is a fucking one out of ten. Yeah, I like. I don't even want this. Like, she asks her name a happy memory. She's like, I don't. I don't have any. Like, I don't have one. No, I've never happy been happy. Memory. My body has always regulated me to be at not happy. That's how I am. Yeah, and so that's the other thing the movie's about. I don't know if we fully said it. It's about the, you know, unequal uh, appropriation of of grief of a, of feeling pain, uh, and yeah, why it's what Poppy set out to investigate in the first place. It's almost a movie made by Poppy from Happy Go Lucky and set out to determine why are some people so happy and why are some people not. Mm. Well said. Thank you. So in my case, when I look at this, I look at people like uh, Ronnie and Ken and Mary and Carl. Ronnie, Ronnie's probably just a codependent. Ken's definitely an addict. Mary's bipolar. And Carl, I don't know. I think Carl's just a disillusioned He's young punk where we're all like that when we're that age. He just, like, rage quits yeah. his mom's wake. like Exactly. <laughs> but he's not that young. I, I mean, he's younger than anybody else. He's, he's the youngest of he's the probably, dysfunctional. He's probably older than Joe. They're, I uh, feel Joe's like they're not in the, the dysfunctional group with him. Oh, I see what you're saying. But, you know, he's, like, probably late 30s, I'd say. Oh, Carl? Yeah, no, nah, Carl Carl's like Jesse's age. Carl and age. the b- and the other kid are about the same age. Carl, right? Carl is Jesse from Breaking Bad, basically. I don't know, man. I've seen that guy on Extras. Uh, by the way, really random footnote: if anyone's seen Extras, he plays a flamboyantly, unbelievably flamboyantly gay uh, producer for Ricky Gervais's sitcom. And like when I saw him, I'm like, wow, that is night and day. Uh, but anyway, see Extras. Extras is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think so. Anyway, Carl's the youngest. I don't know what he has. I think he has the disillusionment of youth, which we all have, which I think actually Jerry had and was kind of on the same trolley as Mary, but she grew up and, and got out of it. Uh, Tom, too. And then Joe is just kind of, you know, mirroring his parents' sort of judgmental, like, yeah, I'm looking at you, Carl. Yes, I was judging you, but I guess I'll look away. 
No, see, you're reading that scene as judgmental. I read that as like Joe being the sane person. Like Carl is just like angrily casting about. He's like, "What are you looking at?" And he's like, "I'm looking at you. Like, look at how you're behaving. I, what else would I be looking at? You're sucking all the attention in the room to you." Right. But at who, a funeral. But who, sa- who the fuck says that? He's he's standing his ground. I really respected Joe in that moment. No, like, I like that moment. That's I, really good. I I don't because it's heavy handed and unrealistic. It's not heavy handed though. It's like it doesn't, a fucking it doesn't play. call out anything. He, he is looking but, at him. But nobody what would, are you looking at? But nobody would you. do that in real life. Nobody yeah. states what's happening. I would I would it's just It's a threat and it's saying the subtext is like what? Like I'm I'm well, not, not trying a threat. to mess with you. You're the one who's crazy. You're the one acting like a wild That's animal. Brady's I'm just exactly here. exactly right. Brady's uh, well, got I it 100%. I, I think it's just him being like, uh, I was looking at you because you're being a dick and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, like, at that point in time, like, Carl's just, like, consumed by grief. Like, more than his father. His father is just – his father's so codependent that he doesn't know how he should be because he's like, I had this wife who wasn't so great, but it gave me a purpose, and now she's gone. So now I just I, – I just don't know. And Carl is just like, like – that that fucking guy who never did anything is now uh, without a purpose, and I'm supposed to pity him because like that's what raised me, and then the other thing that raised me is dead. So, so something that that's a good point, and so, something that um, I I just want to look at for a second is the the angles of these relationships specifically. See, we we see Carl near the tail end of the film for maybe ten fifteen minutes. Carl is Linda's son yes and also ronnie's son yes ronnie is tom's brother and they go to the funeral because she has died uh in her sleep apparently passively and uh and uh but uh, there's a thing there where carl goes like i don't like how did she die like how did she go he, he says it in a really crass way too which yeah. is like how did she g- so how did how, the old lady go or something like that yeah. Uh, oh, I love that line because that's an example of something that takes place a lot in this movie is like it's not about what he's saying. It's about how he's saying it. Like, it's just a question. How did mom die? But really what it is, is like uh, this is the first time we've talked in months. Like, so why don't you I, tell I, me about it. Like guy who took advantage of my mom, like never did anything, probably laid about the house a lot. Like anyway, that's the way Carl sees Ronnie. Right. This is someone who leached off of his mother, maybe even drove her to her grave. I, early. I don't think it was leech. I think it was just he was just dead. But that's the thing that's so interesting about this movie is that these characters are put in these situations, and it's a social experiment. If I was saying this to Brady on the on the break, if if Mike Lee, Mike Lee is brilliant, and I didn't even realize it until today for a very very simple reason. This movie could have been made in fifty years, like Far from he- Heaven was made. Um, with uh, with you know Julianne Moore, that sort of Rock Hudson, broken era of the 1950s woman idealism, but this was made a couple of years ago about what's happening in British culture now, and and that's amazing. It's it's just it's like this hedge maze saying like all right, these people are living their daily lives, and and it's a very good point. It isn't about what well, Brady- I don't think it's timeless. Is that's what you're saying? It is definitely rooted in these times and. I don't think in 25 years people will have a reaction to this film as much because this isn't a cycle that repeats itself. Well, really? It's very specific to this time frame. Well, I'm, I feel like the purpose of the, of the film is the experimentation itself. It's the experimentation of the people and the chess pieces and where they're being put, but they're not, they're not written or 
meant to be looked well, at like as you said, chess you were pulling people from generations that are historically written about now, like the lost generation is where Mary's from. Well, and how there's these different defunctional people from different generations. Well, speci- yes, and specifically, I believe that in the future people will look back at this film and they will say, I can't believe he was able to look at his own time and write about it so succinctly because usually we need time I to get people, over it. I think people will look at it and be like, hey, that guy Rob on Carnivorous Couch was the only one out of those four who were right. Why the fuck didn't they have more <laughs> compassion? No, I, I have absolute compassion. And I feel like there's something um, very, very, you know, pardon the expression, rotten in the state of Denmark when it comes to how these how people... How dare you say that? <laughs> yeah, Tess is shaking her fist at me furiously. Uh, <laughs> she's uh, not, but we can all imagine we she can, is. <laughs> but... Um, but there is something intrinsic about the behaviors of these people and something that Brady pointed to when Carl says, when Carl says, I, you know, so how'd she go? And, and Rob mentioned this as well. How, how'd she go? It's not what's being said. But this culture and this society demands that you not say what's on your mind. It demands that you bottle it up. Yeah, no, this is definitely a majorly mm-hmm. like English uh, self-repression sort of exposition absolutely in every possible way and within the class doesn't work with americans which doesn't work with americans (laughs) within the class systems and they're all interacting together in the same movie well and then also the class is defined by like like well that thing that we talked about before if that's uh accepted as a posit you know the idea that your brain is just set to be this way and that actually defines your class and your your lot in life what do you mean by exposition Exposition in which context? I just used it like three times. Oh, I, I, I don't know. When you said uh, this is a very uh, exposition. I thought, I no, thought he I meant expose. Uh, no, I meant uh, what did I just say that you're asking about? Uh, just don't ask me about one word. Um, I don't know what I just said. I was already moved on to another to paragraph. To me, this is like anti-exposition, a lot of it, because it's so much about subtext. Well, exposition no, but is okay. where... So what I was saying is that the right. exposition of all the events is based on... Like, it is the catalyst. Okay, so all the events that are exposed, the catalyst for them is the repression of, you know, what one should do or, you know, like your emotional feelings about the situation. The people who are the more successful people are the people who are better able to regulate their emotions versus the people who are not successful and are therefore viewed as dysfunctional by the diegesis of the film they're basically not able to regulate their emotions. Mm. I'm going to push you here, though. This, to me, is not in any way a repressed British drama. This is, to me, very emotionally frank, which is why we have characters like no, Mary no, 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 no. who are literally spilling over themselves with it. But everyone right. actually yeah. talks very honestly about the emotional Ronnie, Ken, Mary, content. and Carl have the inability to regulate their emotions. Joe, Jerry, Tom, and Katie are rewarded for their ability to regulate their emotions. Yeah, but it's not like they repress them. I mean, emotional discussions are all over this film. I agree with that. all parties. And I would like to be the devil's advocate and to say that sometimes they talk about them, but almost always, I'd say 99% of the time when somebody mentions their emotions or expresses their emotions up until near the, the denouement or the end of the film, the reaction and response to that is almost nothing. They're almost giving nothing in return for those for those cries. Those yeah, cries are never answered. They're hardly even in, in touch with their emotions. Like but when that's when Jerry and Tom talk to each other and go mm-hmm. like like uh, I don't even know what to do here. Well, if you don't know, I don't know. Like I mean, like that's like that is not how calm I would be being if I was in their situation. I would be like, she's really 
she's really not well, and she's in my house because, you know, she can't stand to, like, sta- stare at the four walls of her apartment. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. a, th- like I would have a severe emotional reaction to that, not some sort of, like, haphazard, like, I don't know what to do. Well, I don't know what to do if you don't know what to do. I guess neither of us know what to do. Oh, <laughs> isn't this such a funny conundrum? Like, that would not be my impression. My impression would be like, oh, my God, what do we do for this poor woman? I don't think that's meant out of, uh, of, of jest or of hate. I think that's literally just this, the way these people have been bred and born in their lives. Well, no, and, and that's what's made them successful is that they don't have an emotional reaction to it. They're just kind mm. of like, they're I kind I of disagree. like, like, I'm annoyed slightly that this person is here. I will take care of them because I know it's the right thing to do, but really I'm, I'm very annoyed right. and I'm going to let them know and I'm just going to let them hang out in their own uncomfortable skin, maybe as a way of, of provoking them to get help, I guess. You, listen, being awkward is not a medical disorder. I have Asperger's and I'm telling oh no, you being awkward is not a medical not disorder. She's not awkward. All right. She's not awkward. Yes, she is. She's manic and then she's depressive at times. Like the scene where she's like fucking like the opening scene, our introduction to her is, is in mania. She is literally in mania. No, she's she, not. She doesn't even take a breath. She talks she's like just a, a she talks straight for like going two through minutes. Papers. No, she no, not that scene. The scene with the drink where we actually get to sit down and talk with her and know that she's not just a passing Whatnot. See, but I don't read it as crazy. I think this is like the geology we're talking about. She's embarrassed that she she's embarrassed and like. Haven't you ever had life go badly for I, it? I didn't when say she was happened, crazy. I said she was ill. Spin. Like not having someone, not having a relationship, and she's not our age, Rob. She's in her fifties, and she doesn't have a relationship. Everything's gone sour, and like she does Poppy, have she does have one relationship, a relationship with um, uh, Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. Her friendship, the only thing that's the only relationship she has. Yes, and and the she's re- mentally ill. Well, she has bipolar. No, life has gone bad. Blatantly bipolar. Life has gone badly. I, I think this movie was made specifically with yes, that character is bipolar. If you're reading bipolar, you're reading much too much medical specificity into a movie yeah. that's really about how you regulate hardship. Well, maybe he's talking. Maybe he's movie. drunk. Maybe he's drawing from personal experience, <laughs> and he knows bipolar people, and he doesn't happen to know that yeah. they're bipolar. No, no I'm Grant, sorry. I'll give I'm you. sorry, Rob. This movie is not about a medical disorder. I'll give you the Rob. This, this movie is about very many. Di- like Ken's obviously an addict. Ronnie's obviously a. They are addicts, but that. No, Ken's an addict. Mary's bipolar. Ronnie's obviously codependent. Uh, I like mean, they, these are blatant, like psycho, like psychological well, tropes if if that are just being passed out in each character, like one per each one. And Carl's just a dis- if, disillusioned if, youth. If, if you're these s- are all very like stereotypical things to use, and they're just thrown in together. Yeah, but Mary's dilemma happens over. I know you think they should have responded quicker, but it happens. This film, as it tells us in the title, happens over a year. Right, yeah. but and this has been going on for hold longer on, than hold that. On. Hold Shut on, hold on, shut up. I hadn't finished. Within that span of time, Jerry recommends the proper course for Mary, which is to seek help. Yeah, she so this does is that. 22 years down the line, and you just fucking figured it out. What, could the, what the fuck kind Maybe of counselor are you? Maybe she wasn't acting like this before. The no. I also feel like, you know, th- based on what we've seen these characters do, you know, somebody might have said to Mary, like, you know, have you ever considered this? Hey, wait have a minute. You, you can't have it both ways, out? Brady. Sorry to cut you off, Tess, but Brady, you said... Obviously, she's been talking. like this. I know. I'm cutting you off. Uh, Brady, you said maybe she hasn't been like this before, but then also you also said 
that um, obviously she's been like this before, and that's why they know how to deal with it. Seems like maybe I, I didn't, uh, if I'm contradicting myself. What I'm really saying is there's a fine line between, I mean, like, you know how it is. Like, you have friends who maybe drink too much. Like, let's get specific. Mary drinks too much. Right. And you know that's a problem. And you've probably, you probably have said something to her, and Tess said this, and this is a good point. You probably have said things to her throughout the years, like, oh, come on, like, you, got, you should cut back. Uh, you should see someone, or you should, you know, to Ken, you should exercise. You shouldn't just yeah, eat Yeah, but her sickness isn't the drinking. Rob, she's, I think she's bipolar is way too specific for a movie that never ever says it. Rob, Rob, I think the thing it that says it totally. Okay, but the thing that you that you might not be, just w- none of us are conscious of this because none of us are from England, and that's the thing that it took me a second viewing to realize is that this caste system works in niceties and it f- and and, and it, the holes in it and the, the awkward moments in between the in the words happen because of the same niceties. There, it's it's about it's about um, you know goodwill towards little things, but the little things aren't little things. They wind up becoming, they wind up becoming grains of salt that don't serve a purpose other than to to try and keep things together. Everything is meant to keep things in order and keep things together, and that's the irony of the story itself. Is that when you're trying to help things along, and all you have are these little quick nice things to say, then the big things and the big issues. Oh, the big things and the big issues that need to happen, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't happen. Yeah, no, that that's that human geology uh, thing. Yeah, I think that's good. We should take a break and go do uh, understood. Okay. We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay, but we got two understudies, and to be honest, they're probably more famous anyway. So. Right against the act, right against the movies. Twitter said C A R N Y couch. This game called Understudy is happening, happening, happening right now. I didn't think I'd be seeing you again. You can visit for a few minutes. No. Come with me. Oh, Truman. <laughs> no. Five minutes. He returned. Long time. I don't know what you must think of me. You haven't been foremost on my mind lately, as you can imagine. You got the letter? Yes. It's true. I, I, I mean, I understand why you didn't want to come. I, I wouldn't be here either if I didn't have to. All right, all right, all right. You got that right. <laughs> you know, uh, Ricardo uh, donated his eyes to science <laughs> next week. Some blind man will be seeing what Dick used to see. He'd be better off that than the way he was. I mean, what I was seeing was hasn't been so nice to look at, but uh, I guess it's better off than nothing. I mean, they came around with a form. Hey, you'll be walking down the street one day in Denver or whatever, and suddenly these eyes will be staring at you. Wouldn't that be something? It would be. Time! You'll be watching? I don't know. You want me to? I'd like to have a... A friend there. Okay. Then I will. It's all right. I did everything I could. Okay. I truly did. (laughs) I know. Goodbye, Perry. You're not rid of me yet. I'll see you in a few minutes for doggies. That was understood. 
Tweet us your answer at C A R N Y Couch. Hold on. Well, so I really cut Tess off, and now we're going to let her speak. Yeah, so I feel like they pro- this pro- that probably wasn't the first time that somebody said something to her, and she. Uh, obviously she she expressed that that she wasn't interested in doing that that she wants to be able to talk to Jerry and you know I one of the things that I always thought about Jerry too is that that this is her friendship this isn't her job it's not it's not her job to counsel Mary Mary needs to get someone else to do that for her but she doesn't really treat the two differently she does and doesn't. Well, she, I mean, she slips into have, the counselor thing from time to time. but We, we even have know. this uh, sort of mirroring where she c- talks about this one dude who finally showed up to the meeting, but he was pissed. And she's like, I mixed him a double scotch. Oh, wait, no, I didn't mix him a double scotch. I don't know. It was disappointing. I, I told him to do these things, and yeah, we'll see what happens. I confront him on it. And then um, when they talk about the scene where Mary comes in and is like vehemently rageful, full of envy at Joe... Um, Joe and uh, uh, Katie, uh, she does the exact same thing. Like, th- we have this little snippet where they're judging her and talking about her, and they go, uh, yeah, it was disappointing. So she she voices it exactly in the same way as her clinical self and her job. Right, and then, then the other thing about that moment, too, is that, no, Jerry was... Jerry was mad. She like they were they oh, were yeah. angry. Yeah, she was pissed. They were angry with her because why do you why do you like passive aggressively just stop calling someone? You don't do that when you're disappointed with them. You do that when you're angry, but she doesn't mm-hmm. acknowledge that. Her first word was right, which is upsetting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean like so here's the thing is like if you know somebody for 22 years, you don't just passive aggressively stop calling them. That's not acceptable. I don't care how much of a shit they were that particular evening. Well, sure. So you can judge it. You can you can think of the characters what you want, but I, you know, it's, I think it's an understandable reaction. Me too. It's one that I could see happening. Yeah, it does but happen. but I mean, okay, fine. It's understandable in that event, but you know, w- within a week or so, you should be like, maybe I was too hard on that person. Maybe I got too mad at them too quickly, like. Obviously. Yeah, like and then you don't have, you know, after a week without Mary around, bringing everybody down to her level all the time, you go, this isn't so bad. Maybe I just won't invite her over. And let's be clear. But you, you've <laughs> been friends with her for 20 years. You can't do that now. That's fucking ridiculous. Well, but let's also say this. Uh, Jerry never gets heated. So this isn't the kind of thing where I lost my temper in the moment at a dumb mistake. I don't think this is the kind of thing that benefits from reevaluation. It's very clear what happened, and what happened is very clearly unacceptable. Well, yeah, but I mean, Mary's sick, so she can't be, you can't hold her to the same standards as you or I. It's a caste system, so it's like uh, the people that own the uh, cotton plant and the people that are their friends and the people that work for the cotton plant. And it's no different, it's just in a much more subtle way. So yeah, let's just permit this to go on, even though we know what's going on here. It's it's well, but it's there, but it's done without all of the threats and all the all of the veils of threat because they are friends. The only threat really is uh, the the threats themselves are in the way people do or do not accept the circles that they're welcomed into, and those aren't conscious. Those are those are unconscious choices by those characters, but. There's something to, you know, the evolution of of Mary's relationship with them or the de-evolution or however you want to look at it comes by 
the first time she comes around, they're actually really happy to see her and they're excited. But the longer they hang out with her, the more they get a little concerned. And each time yeah, yeah, after, yeah, but we're, we're seeing a year out a of the entire twenty-year period. But I mean, obviously, like <laughs> they've been hanging out with her in various, like I okay, the title of this movie is Another Year, right? So, at at the at the least, I would be willing to give it this posit, which is. This shit happens every year. She's cool at the beginning of the year, and we enjoy hanging out with her. And then she falls down, and then I tell her to get help, and then she gets help, and then everything's cool at the beginning of the year. And then all this shit goes on, and then I tell her to Did get we help. Did watch the same movie? Um, okay. <laughs> I, so, so Ross has something to say, but I just want to chime in something little. because so, I'm. So the idea yes. that it's called Another Year is maybe, yes, this has been happening over and over again. I, I will give it that if that's what we're talking about. I mean, you're right in a sense, but I don't think this is a cycle. I'm going back to my geology thing. It's this. Like, a rock can sit on another piece of rock. Let's say, picture a boulder on a thinner cliff. It can sit there for years and years and years and nothing happens. But when something does happen, it's sudden, it's instantaneous, and it's permanent. All right, so you're saying it's just another year, but yet this... Pressure. Serious cataclysm is actually happening under pressure after so much by time. Queen should be the song <laughs> of this movie. That's very well said. Especially yes, that's very very well said. There is there's definitely a connection between what these people are going through year after year and what they have to deal with with all of the people that they have in their lives. And there's blowback because just like everyone else, they're completely imperfect and they have just as much stuff impacting them as everyone else does. Yavo. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know why, but like just looking at the situation, I just wouldn't have handled it anywhere remotely similar to the way they handled it, and it just seems really weird. Yeah, to me. well, you're well, not from. Okay. You're not. Yeah, it's okay. You're not from England, and we're not from this society, and so it's hard. It's it's harder to grasp. Right. Each person it, is different. But I mean, it just seems really bizarre. It's like, why the fuck are you being dicks? Sure. That's the way I felt the first time I read Chekhov. I was like. Why are they treating the people that right. they invited to their it, house this it's way? It's acceptable to their society, is what you guys are saying. No, and, that's not what and, I'm saying. No, it's it's not even necessarily I don't what think it's I'm a saying. Blanket social uh, statement. Uh, I think it's unconscious. Yeah. Why, like? I think it's I, unconscious. Sorry, Ross, you said that I feel like that because I'm not from that society. Yeah. So, so that would seem to insinuate that in English society, the way that they're behaving is more acceptable than the society that I live in. I feel like. For people that are English that watch the film, they'll understand the dichotomies in the relationships easier because we come from places where we say more of what we feel and they come from places where they behave the way they feel. Yeah, no. Behave. I, like, I, I, I'm aware of the idea of uh, British emotional repression. But honestly, know, like, maybe I'm even a little further away from Ross and Tess on this. Like, I don't even think that anything that happens is so culturally specific and strange I don't really that it couldn't happen right here. I didn't right say here. it was. I'm Friends have a fight, and I agree with that. it has ramifications. I, I just, just don't, yeah. I like, that yeah, just wasn't a big, like, you know, she didn't pick up a knife and threaten everybody. Does she, she have to? I mean, for to yeah. cut off a relationship like that, kind of, yeah. But it's not a cutoff, it's just... Taking it's a break. A yeah, but I mean, that's a long time. Like months is a, a long few months? time. When you're like, that's a long time. When you're working and life. When you're yeah. When you're working and like you if someone pulled a gun on you, I understand a few months. But uh, oh Jesus! If, if if somebody just got really fucking scowly face and bitchy like at somebody else who they didn't know very well, it's worse uh, than that. Oh, can we talk about that scene? Well, hold yes, on, hold on. It, it was it's just simpler. It's simpler than that. She has a husband that she loves and adores. 
and the way relationships work, you know, he is not down with Mary right now. He's put a bad spot in his stomach because she has behaved inappropriately. She hasn't bothered to apologize. She's had ample opportunities to apologize. She apologized. She apologized. We find out later, but it wasn't it wasn't a formal apology. And this is also this is also written by the director, and the choices that can be made here aren't about do, doing it right or doing it wrong. I mean, f- for all we know, from from uh, Jerry's perspective, maybe the thing that she needs is for her to apologize to her in her house, or maybe it's to apologize to her husband. You know. It's 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 left, it it it's left with no closure, for a specific purpose, and that's that there was a line that was crossed for her as a character, and where that happens and how that happens isn't really important. It's just that there was a line crossed, and it it right. detached their relationship. For months for, sort of being a bitch one day at the table. It's well, not just she was a bitch. It's not like oh what a pissy mood she was in. She insulted a guest. It wasn't a member of the family. They insulted a guest who also happened to be the new girlfriend. Right. I also want to point but out that um, one of the things that uh, we haven't mentioned is that obviously, like, this, she was this guy's babysitter. Like, she... Uh, am, am I wrong in saying she has no business trying well, well, to hit to on 30? this, ca- this 50 kid? 50 to 30? Of course she has like, business. What? what is it was, that? It was bigger than that. That's no, 50 to 30. I, she I, can do that if I, she wants. I agree with Tess here. I I, I completely agree with you, Tess. And also, it, it was bigger than that. This was this was an escalated situation. Something that we're forgetting is that when... Um, well, they had that little flirt fest right before in uh, autumn. When they when they were in autumn... I mean, in, summer. In, in, when, in summer. When in they summer, were in sorry. summer and she was invited over to the house and she just bought a car and she was drinking her second full glass of wine... She hit on Jerry's son in front of Jerry, and that hurt Jerry, and Jerry held on to that. You could see it. She held on to that resentment. Right. And I would say that she actually yeah, let I the agree. situation with the girlfriend happen as so. punishment, so there was which is, like, happening. fucking bitchy as hell. And, you know, I, I'm with Rob in that, of course, she has business doing it, but Mary's entire attitude toward it is extremely presumptuous. To and entitled. That's, yeah, that's what's yeah. come. Here, wait, wait, Rob. Understood. That's what comes yeah, to yeah. pass in that autumn scene, in yeah. that fight. Or not the fight, but the her acting the way she does in the kitchen yeah. is a presumptuous, entitled attitude that she owns this person. She's known them, him for 20 she, years. It's, it's of her, course okay. she should be her. It's yeah. her pet, it's her no, pet I, therapist. I get and, that. And, and she, yeah, it's her pet therapist. So, and the whole time she's been knowing her, she's been basically inviting her over to her house, welcoming her in, you know, and she's got her own issues with her Ill- illness or right. whatever you want to call and it. The and, 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 the, and the thing that she does is she decides to ask out her her son, who's like 30, 40 years younger than her, in front of her. Yeah, but... Yep. Her, at, and, her, at a party and her in pun- front of other people. Okay, that's fine. Her punishment for doing that is the scene that ensues, and then her punishment for the behavior on the scene that ensues is like two or three months of not talking, which seems happens. excessive to oh, me. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's excessive. Maybe Come it on, is. People. I mean, we're supposed to feel the, not the cruelty, because I think it's got its reasonability, but the the full painful impact of it on her. That, yeah, her social, a lot of her support system drops out from under her because of one tiny, very bad decision. Uh, right. But also she was put painful. through that situation because of something that she did earlier on a flimsy and on a whim because she was in a, a, a fit of uh, 
Wait, was that uh, when she? W- yeah, two full glasses. Okay, so that was a fit of depression. Well, there were there were two there were two incidences. The first was at the dinner table when, or no, the first was with the glass of alcohol, and then the next time that she came, she was expecting to see the young the son Joe and spending time with him, and then she got the impact of okay, this guy's dating somebody. And right. then and she, she was got immediately the immediately re- crushed, and within well, thirty seconds, somebody should have split well, that shit and, right and, the fuck and, up. And, and then she got the resentment on top of that of I can't believe they invited me over here when she's got this girlfriend here. Yeah, right. So Why would they do that? That was like three. Well, but but that was that they wasn't just know. three levels of issues for. How did they not know she was th- pissed at him that, because she and it, and it, like asked her friend that, out? That that wasn't just three levels of issues for Rob. That wasn't just three issues for. They showed up randomly. They didn't know that Mary okay, was. Okay, hold. I'm sorry, but. They, they uh, go ahead, Tess. I'm sorry, I just don't no, like. No, no. I mean, you were talking, but Rob was also talking over you too. We're back right. on the issue of should they have broken up the fight? No, absolutely. Jesus Christ! There's no way to it have happens known. too fast. It happens I too fast. Get why they don't it's do about it a two minute. It's about a two minute thing. It's yeah. very uncomfortable. It's a very long shot. Thirty seconds in, you can tell what's going on. Yeah, and it's just like wow. But, but can I point but, you know, out? People make their decisions. But the Rob, the impact isn't just happening. It's not just happening to Mary because it's happening to Mary. It's happening to everybody else at the same time, and they're all feeling the same thing. And that's why nobody does anything. Can I point out that they absolutely do try and do stuff and they to do. get her to stop? They totally do. To, Rob, don't talk. They they absolutely do point out that do? she's that she's doing. That she's that she's acting inappropriately. Jim Broadbent's character comes over and says, like, you know, basically does his Jim Broadbent thing where he's going, you know, pat or like sar- sarcastically, or I don't know, he's not being sarcastic, but anyway, he like points out, like, Mary, you know, what do you think of Katie? Isn't Katie great? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. She's staying. Like, please stop. And then, you know, they, they there's even another moment from Jerry later on where she she responds to that and, you know, to indicate that she's she's behaving really rudely. And pretty much everybody is reacting in their own way. They don't. But nobody don't comes anywhere near her physical sphere, period. Nobody ever be, touches her on the shoulder. Why would you do that? No. Because that's what that person needs. That's not the way that that's these not, characters are yeah. built. These characters aren't built to do that, especially around somebody that. You're is a counselor. Br- you can't tell that this person needs a touch on the shoulder. Just, just. Well, they're all sitting down at a table, which is brilliant because they can't touch each other, and this is a well, long Mary table. Stand up across the room. Put your arm around that person. And and say, hey, why don't we? But I agree with Tess. I think it's completely valid. One of the things that Jim Broadbent does is when he brings up Katie, he actually makes fun of her in front of her, a person that he's known for two minutes. He does this. He does this for Mary, and everybody laughs except for Mary. And and then and then uh, and then Jerry does the same thing, and then mentions it again, and everybody laughs again. Yeah, I know. All that stuff is pointing to the fact that she is not currently equipped to emotionally deal with this situation. You need to get her out of that room with those people. But the and shots, she the shots. Excuse herself to the loo. But then. T- to be fair, Rob, she doesn't know intellectually that she is unable to deal with that emotionally. Rob, she's not an absolute lunatic. Those she shots, does know. Rob. Those shots are focused on Mary because it's her perspective. It's not theirs. They're not there to help her. It's we're in her head. Those shots are. Are from her absolutely, perspective. Absolutely, but I mean, um, you by know, I, dis- I, I disagree with, with respect. I think that's oh. an interesting idea. But no, well, no, when I she's at the table, all the shots at the table, when there's solo shots of her, are about her dealing with herself, yeah. and nobody can help her. 
That's why there's shots of her at the table by herself. No, no I, I mean, I agree in a manner of speaking, and, and I'll say is this. No one tried to help ha, we've her. We've all been there where, like, whatever the emotion, in this case anger or jealousy, takes over so much that we can't even control what's coming out of her own mouth. Agreed. But it's not because we're crazy. Agreed. It's because that's a human emotion. That's what happens and we get locked inside when the rock of jealousy gets rolling too fast down the hill. It's too late to stop it. Well said. You should, and that's when you leave the room, honestly. Say that again. When the rock of a negative emotion, take jealousy for this example, gets going down the hill too fast, builds up too momentum, the inertia completely kicks in, then we can't control what comes out of our own mouths. We can't. We're I mean, completely we, we guided can. by our emotions. People who are emotionally no, healthy Rob. and psychically healthy can, no. but not her who's no. not. No, I, I disagree. I've, I've had this happen. Like, I'm not so proud to admit that I haven't had an emotion completely pull words I'd never imagined in my head out of my mouth. I, too, have smelled, I too have smelled I what mean, the I've, rock has been cooking. I've had that happen, but... Mm, it's delicious. Is that barbecue? But I it was is. in control of, of not doing that. I just chose not to. Rock, your finger looking good. You know, like, we all, know, <laughs> we all know that. Like, where you choose not to let, to let your better judgment kick in and you just let it pour out. Yeah, it happens. It right. doesn't make her crazy. But, no, but I mean, this is somebody who's not capable of... They're not letting it pour out. They have no choice. Oh, no, I agree. What, what I'm talking about is, like, you or I, when we're in that situation and we get angry and we get going, then, like, you know that you're not doing the right thing right now, but you Mary, let it go. Mary knew she wasn't doing the right thing. I don't. I do. I think, I, I think she had no idea what she was doing. It, it, it that's was a just very an unstoppable strange force. interpretation. It, unstoppable. But, I mean, that's... That's depression and that's mania. That's why would what, she? Why would she happened. apologize if she thought she was doing the right thing? She's. she's why would she have that lying. apology? That genuine, like I know I did something wrong. If she didn't think she did you something know that's wrong. That's what, what you want the person to hear. That's insane, Rob. That's it's, not what was going on. It's hypofrontality. Yeah, that's not it. She's not. She's not oblivious. To she's what's not going a on. fucking sociopath. No, but she has hypofrontality if she's bipolar. She's she's depressed and she's lost. She's and she, None she's of us a, agree with you. She's depressed. And even if she is, even I'm, if she I know is you don't bipolar, agree with me, but which she could very well be, that's not what the movie is about, and I don't want to discuss absolutely it. Absolutely, is about that. She's that is what I'm saying. You guys no, are it's not, not about bipolar she, disorder. She's Rob. no, but she definitely has bipolar disorder, and she's the main character right. of the she fucking definitely? movie. What? Let's go with probably. Can we cut you down to probably? No, definitely. It's like she clear textbook, like blatant. Behavior. I'm not talking She's about a movie I didn't Mike see. Mike Lee's <laughs> riveting medical study another year. <laughs> okay, She's well. depressed and she's an alcoholic and that's about all she's we know. She's not an alcoholic. She, she is an alcoholic. She's an alcoholic. No, she's not. You can't wow. diagnose okay, alcoholism that's way too with somebody technical. who's bipolar. Okay, you, try and explain and that. Alcohol, you are an alcoholic. Okay, alcoholism... <laughs> Okay, alcoholism is something that become very obviously seem to be apparent when somebody is bipolar, but you can't diagnose that necessarily because the behaviors are really hard to discern. S so every scene she's in, she drinks, but I haven't seen her once go to the doctor and they say, you have bipolar, or somebody says, you're... But she's acting clearly manic, which yeah. alcoholics do not. Why, they don't? Manic no. alcoholics do. <laughs> Look, okay, fine. You guys don't agree with me. I've made my point. Let's move on to something else. All right. I think we've covered the full DISM. Uh, so we're we just gonna fucking go to next week. What are we doing next week? Uh, yeah. Well, where where are we on time? We're good. How I long? wanted to say one thing. Go ahead. 
because I couldn't get a word in edgewise earlier. I don't know where this fits in, but I noticed that um, a bunch of, like, all through this movie, like, every time they they go to let somebody into uh, the house, like, when someone's at the door, they wait to be invited in, which, like, struck me as really strange. Like, and it's not just like, you know, here, come on in. It's like there's there's almost a formality to it. Yeah, that's just manners. I was that, taught that, that when I was a kid. You know, they, they, even the son, like, waits, or the son with the girlfriend, like, they wait to be invite like spe- very specifically invited well, that's in because no, that, they just find a thing. them in the living room that's yeah, a thing that, that's, that always that's happens when, no but then yeah, when they come li- when they come later for the right for the because, party because she totally breaks that too well i mean mary's sin in a way is thinking she's family when she's not she doesn't have that unbreakable bond and maybe she thought she did but she might have exactly that's the problem she, she might have she clearly thinks that well yeah. i mean i think another thing is the situation with ronnie and carl tells us that that bond is breakable well, that's the other thing. Yeah, Ronnie like, doesn't have a relationship um, with Carl. That's also the same way that they were trying not sorry. to have a relationship with Mary. So um, that's actually a really good point. And I, one thing I did want to say is like, you know, there's there's this like crestfallen moment where um, Mary says like, you know, she doesn't have any kids. And I almost got this feeling from that is like there's a joke on The Office where uh, and this is what it reminded me of is, is Michael Scott says something about I think he's like a little kid. Anyway, I don't remember the joke, but long story short is it boils down to I want to have a bunch of kids so that they can all be my friends and no one can say no to being my friend. And like when she has that moment, like I feel like that's part of what she's sad about is she, you know, she wants she wants to have a family because that means no one can say no to being her friend. That's her idea about that. Even though, you know, as we see, nobody nobody has that making them them happy necessarily. Like it's not a given. There's lots of people with all kinds of family situations who aren't, you know, who who aren't close. So that's an excellent point, Tess, and I would just like to piggyback off that really quick and and add that y- J- uh, Tom comes from this town, this really poor, broken, destitute town. And is it any shock that the relationships in his family are a hell of a lot better than the relationships with his brother Ronnie's family? And, interestingly enough, it gives us a lot of empathy for him. When he goes to the funeral... There's the line of the four of them, the family, at the funeral, and he looks so awkward. And it's like, no, like, no wonder, like, God forbid, like, this man, like, actually get to have something better. Like, he he made it out of this town. Like, he made it out of this. Like, the fact that he was able to even make it out of something like this, like, like, it's, it's, it's. You know, it's yeah. Where they were even they say these? not much has changed when they're at the door. Like they're looking around, like, oh, this is basically how we left it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and well, um, something else that's interesting is at one point in time when everybody's sitting around the table, they all point at each other. And, uh, I think it's when Tom's over, when it's the three of them, or not, not Tom, uh, uh, Ken, Ken's over, and it's the three of them. Uh, they say like we're all grads, right? Yeah. To define their classes as you know highly educated people who are, you know, definitely in a lot uh, clearer space. So I think um, what uh, Mary isn't isn't included in that though, right? 
Well, she didn't go to school with them, but they mentioned that she she got her degree as uh, as like a what what do they call it secretarial. Okay. She got a secretarial okay, degree. Okay, so she did like a secondary degree, like a fucking JC. What we do here. Yeah, M- Mary's about ten years younger. She her relationship is just through work, but Ken knows her. But they're Ken like but they're like PhDs or or at least like masters or something level of presumably degree, maybe not right? Ken. Ken uh, might have just Ken, gone to uni had, with them. Yeah, he seemed to be like beyond that in his studies. Just Ken's more of a blue collar worker. We get the sense he used to work on the docks. Oh, oh, not Ken. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, Tom. I was thinking. Oh, Tom. Uh, yeah, Tom's got to Tom, be graduate. Tom's obviously graduate. Both level. Tom and, and Jerry like have to be fancy right, yeah, science. Yeah, and there's definitely there's definitely something to that. Um, Rob, what was that phrase again? Oh, when they all said that they were um, graduates. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, there's something about that. Um, they're in, in many ways they are like able to observe like these these ranks and and these orders. Like they're able to see these things better than other people. It doesn't mean that they know how to deal with them or handle them any better, but they are graduates and they'll be able to see the next level of graduates. You know, the next generation, the next generation. So that's that's very interesting as well. Very interesting line. I'm glad you brought it up. Well, uh, I think we can probably wrap. Yeah, I think, okay, yeah. I think we got a lot. Wrap. What should we do next week? Hmm, should we all suggest one? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and suggest uh, Happy Go Lucky to follow this one up. It's so hard to say no to. Poppy has my heart forever. Um, (laughs) Sorry, honey. Doesn't Brady want to she say like, like nine months, three weeks? Okay, and that's two okay days because Sherlock has my <laughs> fictional heart. She would be very interested in understanding why he's the way he is. Um, okay, what I had? A, oh, you know? Oh no, I know what I'm going to suggest because I've been thinking about this movie a lot because I've been listening, and I know Tess doesn't like these songs, but I love them. To Eddie Vedder's soundtrack from Into the Wild, and I know we've covered Iconoclast a lot on this show, and. Uh, Somehow I forgot to add him to my list. So, so you Into were, the Wild. Into the Wild. Oh God! I I tried to watch that movie once. I watched about the first three minutes, and it was too intense for me. I just got so upset at oh, the it grief. Is intense. At it's the grief experienced wow. by the mother in the first scene, I was just She's like, "She's one of my top five actresses. I She's was, amazing." I was. Yeah, I like Marcia Gay. I was far too affected by that in the first five minutes. I'm like, I can't watch this movie right now. <laughs> like I can't do it. This this it's sounds like great. It's, it's great. It looks. It seems like it's gonna tear my heart out, and Sean, I don't want that to happen. Sean Penn's directorial masterpiece. Masterpiece proudly can stand with like Easy Rider, and because it's a road film in a way, but it's also about an iconoclast. Yeah, Into the Wild. It's a great movie. I'm throwing that one in there. All right, uh, Tash, you got one you want to suggest? Um, Apocalypse Now. Holy shit! Always Tess has never movie? seen it. Oh my god, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. Will you be available to watch it next week, or will you be too busy trying to put your place in order? Uh, we'll see. Well, I'm I sure mean, we'll have you the place in like order by next week. But, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you're going to suggest something, you got to be around to watch it. Well, then wait until I'm around to watch it. Okay. Ross? Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Nice. Ooh. Ooh. I Let's watch uh, The Bicycle uh, Thieves, I, I too. Love, yeah. I would. I. I would. Are you available next week, Ross? Yes. You are. Yes. All right. Um, I'm gonna cast my vote for. Uh, oh fuck. Um, Happy Go Lucky. The one I picked. 
we're all just going to vote for our own. You know what? I think I need to be happy that Rob has not only picked a continuing it, film, no, yes, one of my yes. favorite movies, and I don't yes. sense... Well, I'm going to keep throwing Into the Wild in there, though, because Rob needs to see it. I, I know how to manipulate this uh, guy. <sighs> yeah. You definitely need to see Into the Wild, though, because you're iconoclast, man. You must judge all iconoclasts. Uh, but I'm going happy-go-lucky because she was my number one iconoclast. So, there you go. All right, so go. now you two need to need to judge, but for any chance for you guys to win, uh, you're going to have to go ahead and uh, decide between the two of you which one to pick. Oh, between Pee Wee or Happy Go Lucky? You're gonna have to at least match two votes. So oh, you I guys have to vote the same I mean, thing I, I, for, I'd love for to you to have a, a say. Honestly, I'd love to see Happy Go Lucky again because I've only seen it once, and this is my second time seeing uh, another year, which means that the or, second time. Or if Happy you just want to vote the same way as us, then Apocalypse you can also have Now. A um, we'll watch that at home. So soon. your question is: Are you gonna vote between Apocalypse Now or Happy Go Lucky, Ross? Oh, I'm I'm gonna vote. For Happy Go Lucky because I haven't seen it in like two years. Yeah, it's three votes for my suggestion. How wonderful! Wonderful, Rob. Everybody agrees winner. with me for once. <laughs> hey, we yeah. agree. I on, said Apocalypse uh, Chinatown. now. <laughs> Almost everybody agrees with me, but for this point, I'm on the winning side at least this time. Instead of three on one, it's three on one. Rob likes. Forget threesomes. it, Rob. Okay. It's another year. Rob likes threesomes. No, I'd rather have a foursome, but you know. <laughs> Uh, only one of you is a girl. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> a tumbleweed just went by. <laughs> <laughs> it was me all along. Three, <laughs> two, one, theme song. <laughs> Carnivorous couch, shit happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch. With Brady and Rob. It was made in a garage and it should have fucking stayed there. <laughs>